you are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is the 2,300 years of prophecy. so nice to be with you again, my radio friends. Thank you for joining me today. A common greeting in this country is good morning or good afternoon and so on so on. Sometimes people greet each other by asking a question. How you going? Did you know that the good morning greeting actually means God be with you this morning? With the passage of time, the greeting has been shortened. The God bit has been replaced by good, which originally came from the word God. So that now we have two words in the greeting instead of five. I would like to greet you in another way today. It's this. God loves you. If someone greeted me like that, I would feel very pleased. Some grumpy atheist might not be so pleased with such greeting, but I have news for him or her. An atheist might deny the the existence of God, but if you had asked them what is today's date, or when is their date of birth, they would have no difficulty in answering. Yet, for the last 2,000 years, Dates are measured from the time Jesus, from the time of Jesus Christ. A.D., like in 2015 or something, A.D., stands for Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. Just think, the date printed on today's newspaper, the date on your mobile phone, or anything like that for that matter refers back to Christ. With this in mind, I just don't know how an atheist gets on. If he denies the existence of God, does he have some other dating system? Because the one used around the world these days refers back to Christ. In today's topic, we will be examining more prophecy from the book of Daniel. Did you know that Jesus spoke of the prophet Daniel. We read what he said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15. So, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. We read that Jesus knew what the prophet had written and that the time he was speaking of, uh, speaking about, was to be a time of great danger. 
Fairly recently we were considering the prophecy of the four beasts and of the little horn that sprang up in the fourth beast era. The little horn grew up from amongst the others. This one had a face like a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. This one was responsible for oppressing the saints, that is, God's people, and would try to change the set times and laws. We were able to identify the fourth beast as the Roman Empire and the little horn as the Roman Catholic Church. But in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25, where it lists all the activities of this little horn power, the prophecy has this to say, The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. The question is, what is a time? Has it anything to do with once upon a time, the beginning of a story or a fairy tale? A time is another word that in prophecy means year of days. But here we must look even further. How many days are in a year? 365, you say. But a Jewish year only had 360 days. So let's look at the maths of this strange number. Time, times, and half a time. One time equals 360. Times, that's plural, that is two, equals 720. And half a time is half of 360, which is 180. So you add those all up together, and you get 1,260. So, using the prophetic day for a year principle, we end up with 1,260 years. Now, if you have good memory for dates, you might know that the Pope became officially the political and religious leader of the Holy Roman Empire in 538 AD. This situation existed for 1260 years, from 538 AD until 1798 or 1798 AD. It was during this period of time from 538 AD to 1798 that the Pope authorised the persecutions of people who would not accept his authority. Interestingly, in 1798, the Pope was taken prisoner by the French under the leadership of General Berthier, and the Pope's powers were taken away from him. Certain powers were later reinstated. We'll probably look at this prophecy in more detail when we get to study Revelation chapter 13. How interesting that God gave Daniel prophetic visions where consecutive visions added richer meanings to the previous one. And how interesting here also that the time period fits. In Daniel chapter 8 is recorded the vision of a ram and a goat. I'll paraphrase it, but please read it for yourself. 
There was this powerful ram with two big horns. He charged towards the west. He charged towards the north and the south. He was so strong and no other animal was prepared to challenge him. But one day, a powerful, swift, one-horned goat came flying out from the west and attacked the ram, breaking off its horns and trampling on its body. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, the great horn broke off and four others came up. Then another horn came up, a little one, but it grew very powerful and it had a widespread influence. The Bible then says in Daniel chapter 8 verses 11 to 14, The horn set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. That's talking about Jesus Christ. He took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one, an angel, speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and of the host that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, that is, days. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. Now the ram in the vision represents the Medo-Persian Empire. The goat represents the Grecian Empire. Babylon and Rome are missing. But coupled with what is recorded in Daniel 7... That little horn shows up again. If you had a dream like this one, you'd probably think you had a terrible nightmare. But this was no nightmare. This was a vision of the future given by God. Daniel says in chapter 8, verse 24, I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. I was appalled. It was beyond my understanding. Probably what affected Daniel more than anything is what the little horn power did regarding the sacred things of God and to God's faithful people. In addition to what we read in verses 11 to 14 is what we read from verses 23 to 25. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and all the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. 
We'll stop here for a moment and have a little musical break. I was once a sinner from the same album, A New Name in Glory. Just before the break, I was reading to you from the book of Daniel. 
It's uh, very interesting to note that in Daniel 7, the little horn had the face of a man. In Daniel 8, the word face is mentioned again, this time as a stern face. In both chapters, it mentions how the little horn power devastated the sacred things of God and devastated God's people. Now, the Reformers such as Luther, had no doubt as to who this little horn power was. They proclaimed it as the papacy, the Roman Catholic Church, or the leadership, anyhow. Let's itemise what the prophecy said the little horn power would do. We are now only looking at chapter 8. It would throw down some of the starry host of the heavens and trample on them. Now this may have two meanings. Firstly, that it would destroy some of God's most outstanding people, or it would destroy that which tells about the Bible. Another thing that is identified in the book of Daniel, it says it would set itself up to be as great as Christ, the Prince of the Host. It would take away the daily sacrifice, the sanctuary, would be made of little importance. It would prosper. It would throw truth to the ground. It would become very strong. It would be successful. It would cause outstanding devastation. It would destroy outstanding men. It would destroy the holy temple. It would cause deceit to prosper. He, or that's talking about the little horn, or it, will consider himself superior. He will destroy many. He will take a stand against the prince of princes, that is Jesus. Now, to be fair, we need to see if all these things apply in any way to the papacy, that is the Roman Catholic Church. If then we can know that the Reformation preachers were right. First question, did the papacy throw down, destroy, outstandingly godly people? Oh yes, including many of the Protestant reformers. Did the papacy throw down the Bible? Oh yes, they banned people from reading the Bible and hunted out and burned Bibles Did the papacy set itself up to be as great as Jesus Christ? Well, yes again. They openly say, and I've read this to you from some of the Roman Catholic literature in the past, that the Pope has total religious authority on planet Earth. Well, did the papacy take away the daily sacrifice? Well, unfortunately, it's yes again. The sacrifice was instituted to deal with the sin problem, but the church now claims the right to forgive sins. Did the papacy make the sanctuary become of little importance? Well, yes, because Jesus' role as high priest in the heavenly sanctuary is set aside. The church takes the responsibility. Has the papacy prospered? Yes, 
It has grown very rich and is a very powerful organisation with about 2 billion adherents. Has the papacy thrown truth to the ground? Well, yes. It has replaced entered in the Bible with its majestica, that is, its traditions. Has the papacy become strong? Yes. Most of the world's political leaders go to the Vatican to consult with the Pope. Has the papacy become successful? Oh yes, very much so. Has the papacy caused outstanding devastation? Oh yes. The record of the church church's activities is not pretty. Millions were persecuted and martyred for their faith, properties seized, communities and families broken. Consider the child abuse that is going on within the church today. It is so widespread and has ruined the lives of many people. Now I know there's child abuse outside of the organisation I've just mentioned, but it's certainly within that organisation. Has the papacy destroyed outstanding men? Oh yes. Anyone who posed a threat to their ambitions or influenced were either killed or persecuted. Has the papacy been responsible for drawing for destroying, that is, holy people? Yes, multi millions of them. Has the papacy caused deceit, uh, sorry, deceit to prosper? Yes. One author whose book I have read calls the Roman Catholic Church an organisation of evil. I know there are strong words, but it's a it's a book that's the public domain. Bible truth has been fiddled with, and the people are not taught those Bible truths. And then there are the, are the Jesuits who covertly have and are still manipulating so that the whole world will accept the Pope as the political and religious leader. Does the leader of the papacy consider himself superior? Yes. The church claims he is infallible. That means he can make no mistakes. Adore him almost as a god. Has the papacy destroyed many? Yes. Estimates are of up to 150 million. Well, has the papacy taken a stand against Jesus Christ? Yes. On the surface, it may appear otherwise, but Mary has been exalted to a position of deity above Christ, and the church has nudged Christ out of the way and claims the power to forgive sin. Who therefore, needs Christ. During the vision recorded in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel heard a holy one, an angel, speaking to another holy one. This is what, they, this is what was said. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice the rebellion that causes desolation and the surrender of the sanctuary and of the host that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, 
it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. That's 2,300 years. But when would that prophecy start? The most logical starting date seems to be the same as the 490-year prophecy. The starting date, therefore, is 457 BC. Add 2,300 years to that and we end up with 1844 AD. We know that the prophecy was about the future. Because in Daniel 8.26, the angel Gabriel, who explained the prophecy to Daniel, said, The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given to you is true. But seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. It is considered that AD 1844 is the date when a new phase of Christ's ministry in heaven would begin. It would be a phase of judgment and God would examine the heavenly records kept about every person who ever lived and then determine whether they should have eternal life or eternal punishment, which of course is death. In Daniel 7, which describes the little horn power as does Daniel 8, we are given a picture of heaven. It starts at verse 9 where it says, As I looked, Thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. In the latter part of verse 10 we read, The court was seated, and the books were opened. And coming down to verse 22 it says, As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them, until the Ancient of Days pronounced judgment in favour of the saints of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. You know, God is not fickle. He's not arbitrary. You can't bribe God. His decision as to whom will inherit eternal life and who will be punished with eternal death is based on evidence. In vision, Daniel was privileged to see into the future where justice was done. The little horn that had caused so much devastation was finally dealt with by God. In Daniel 7 and verse 11 it says, Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The beast, in this case, refers to the Roman religious and political empire. There is also another description of the final judgment scene when the judgment sentence will be carried out. We find the reference in Daniel chapter 7 verses 26 to 28. But the court will sit and his, that's the little horns or the papacy, will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty power and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is good news for those who have been faithful to God 
the little horn power, and all those that were, who are, and will be a part of it, will be totally destroyed, never ever to rise again. Besides speaking about the judgment of God of all who have ever lived on this planet, the prophet wrote regarding the time of the end. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 it says, At that time Michael, the great prince who protects will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time your people, everyone whose name is written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. So let's summarise what has been presented today. The little horn power is identified as the papacy, the Roman Catholic Church. It will have a huge influence upon the peoples of the and many people will be persecuted or martyred by it. It will stand against God and his people. Daniel was given a vision of its activities and the times of its existence. Daniel was given a vision of end-time events, and there will be a judge every individual who has ever lived. The judgment will exonerate those who have been faithful to God. But on the other hand, the judgment will condemn the wicked, including those who have been supportive of the little horn power. At the end, there will be a terrible trouble, the worst ever on earth, especially for God's faithful people. But God will cleanse the earth of evil and sin and bring in his kingdom of righteousness which will last for ever. Dear listeners, I don't want you to think I've been Catholic bashing. I have friends and relatives who are fine people who are staunch Catholics. What has been pointed out is from Scripture and identifies the little horn power as the papacy, that is, the leadership and hierarchy of the Church. But you know, ultimately each of us must make a decision whether to honour God or be indifferent to him. Your decision and my decision will ultimately determine our future. But I want to tell you that I want to honour God and be true to him and obey what I know he wants me to do question is, what will you do? Well, that's it for another week. I look forward to your company next week. And in the meantime, I wish you blessings, joy and peace.